Hey there, thank you so much for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcast. I'm Burke Allen, live from our studios in Washington, D.C. And thank you to our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau, for sponsoring the podcast today. Well, if you've been a listener of the podcast for a long time, thank you for that. If not, you can always subscribe and sign up or ask Alexa to play the Big Time Talker podcast with Burke Allen. And if you've been here for a minute, you know that I am a music guy through and through. And we love to talk to artists all over the world from all different genres of music. And today we've got somebody who has seen and done some amazing things. If you're a fan of surf music, of Janet Dean, the Beach Boys, that entire California sound, Bobby Figueroa has been around for all of that. He is a longtime Beach Boys band member and for several years now has also toured the world with California Surf Incorporated, including veteran former members of the Beach Boys band. Bobby, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning. How you doing, everybody? So let's let's roll all the way back. How is it that you first began to, to interact with the Beach Boys and, and get that job uh, playing drums for one of the most legendary bands in the world? Yeah, it was kind of one of those out-of-the-blue things that uh, you don't expect to come your way. Um, you know, uh, let's see, to, to put it properly, years ago, I had met someone and, and, and I was playing with a a band at the time called the poverty train. And we were about to go to Hawaii to, uh, to play for several months, actually six months. And, um, I needed a keyboard player. I found a guy jammed with him, turned out to be a really fine player. And I went, great, let's go to Hawaii. And, uh, so fast forward, that group breaks up. And, uh, later on, I'm playing with it, with a different band and at a nightclub in Pasadena one evening, and I got a phone call from this gentleman. By the way, his name was Carly Munoz. And uh, uh, I say, hello, Carly. He says, hi, Bobby. It's Carly. And guess what? I'm playing with the Beach Boys now. And I said, oh, wow, that's fabulous. I go, good good on you, Carly. That's great. Is it is it fun? Is it wonderful? And he says, yes, it is. It, he goes, and they want to hear you. I told them about you. And, uh, you know, I thought about you as, as a musician, drummer, singer, uh, and they said, sure, bring him down to the studio. So he said, come on down to Brother Records uh, in Santa Monica tomorrow and audition. And I went, okay, fine. I'm playing in this club, you know, and just trying to, to get by. And uh, so the next day I go down and there's uh, several other drummers there. And I, uh, you know, just kind of wander in into the studio. They go, you're first up. And I, I went, okay. I went into the to the studio and uh, one at a time, the Beach Boys came in and asked me to play uh, certain fields on the drums, on my drums. And I obliged, and first Mike, and then and then Carl, and then Al. And then they said, okay, fine, thank you very much. And I was like, okay. So I started to leave, and I was, as I was going out the back door, because I see these other drummers standing there plotting to go in next and, and get this gig, you know. Sure, and I was, sure. You know, I was like, wow, you okay, well, I'm, I'm out of here. I got a gig tonight in Pasadena, ooh, you know. <laughs> and, and, and as I was leaving, I heard somebody yell, hey, where are you going? And uh, it was Dennis, Dennis Wilson, and, and he called me into an office. I said, yeah, I go, well, I was, you know, leaving because you have to audition these other guys, uh, right? And he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I go, well, what's up? He goes, we want you to go on the road with us. And I said, oh. Uh, when he said tomorrow. Wow. And he said, write down your address. We'll send a car and we'll see you in Tacoma, Washington. And there I was the very next night in Tacoma, Washington on stage with the Beach Boys. Unbelievable. That's like uh, receiving, you know, the, the chance to be called up and, and go from single A baseball to the major leagues overnight. That's incredible. <laughs> you know, that's a great analogy because it was like that. I was playing in nightclubs and now it was a concert setting and uh, which I had limited ex experience with at the time, but you know the Beach Boys were kind of on an ebb, you know, on a on a on a lower ebb. Uh, you know, the wave was down. In other words, at the time, and we were playing, you know, to uh, to uh, smaller crowds at colleges, you know, uh, field houses, that kind of thing. Two thousand five hundred, you know, uh, five thousand seaters, so something along those lines, but. 
what happened to be a very opportune time for me because uh, uh, the, they released uh, Endless Summer, or the, the album, you know, uh, and uh, the compilation. And, and within a year, we went from playing 5,000 seaters to, to stadiums. Bobby Figueroa is our guest today, longtime drummer for the Beach Boys, currently one of the ringleaders of California Surf Incorporated with a whole bunch of other guys who are former members of the Beach Boys band. What year did this happen? I know, obviously, it had to be a while back because uh, Dennis Wilson uh, tapped you on the shoulder and brought you into the fold. So when when did this happen? Right. That was in the spring of uh, 1974. Um, like I said, uh, the... Uh, Certain things have, had happened with the band. Uh, Holland was out, and uh, and I kind of popped in there as a percussionist and also to spell Dennis uh, so that he could go out front and play piano and stuff. And they just wanted me to play a few songs on drums and and then just play uh, percussion. And it's like uh, they didn't even know I could sing at the time. They didn't really know until that first night uh, that we were playing in Tacoma and I was singing up and down the hallways just to, you know, I was nervous as all get out, you can imagine. Oh, sure, sure. So, because uh, I didn't really even have a rehearsal. I was just going to go on cold and play. And uh, <laughs> so I was singing to ease my nerves, and Al heard me and Carl heard me, and they kind of went, hey, you have a voice. And I was like, well, yeah, I've, I've always been a singer, too. And they went, well, that's the extra because... You know, they had a lot of material that required many voices. Right. And they were being a vocal band. I went, well, what a great opportunity that I get to sing with and learn uh, with the, some of the best in the business. You know, the, look at my teachers, Carl Wilson, Al Jardine. You know, these guys, they were just fantastic singers. So it was very opportune for me. And, and uh, it was a plus that I could uh, I could handle some harmonies as well. If folks follow the Beach Boys legacy and legend, there's so much that goes on there. There have been, you know, dozens sure. of books written about it and, and movies that have been written about it. You lived it. So uh forgive me if I fanboy a little bit, but I've got to ask some questions about <laughs> folks like like Dennis Wilson, who legendarily was uh, the only Beach Boy who really was a beach guy, was the only guy that really surfed and was a drummer, and he's the guy that, that hired you. What kind of drummer was he, and what kind of guy was Dennis Wilson? Well, you know, Dennis was was my friend and benefactor for many years. Uh, you know, he, at the time when I joined the band, I was a very busy drummer. I I did a lot. I played a lot of things, you know, and I... I had a lot of training in different kinds of music, so I was I was feeling my oats more, so to speak. I'd been playing quite a bit, sure. and uh, so. But Dennis said, you know, there's a difference between playing in 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 a nightclub or playing to that last row in a stadium, and he showed me and slowed down my uh, my my approach to it because Dennis was a very hard hitting drummer, and people say, you know, he was very basic. Well, yes, you know, but it translated so well in a larger arena setting that, uh, because he also, besides playing very, very hard, I mean, I'm talking hard. He hit those drums. I mean, I saw him break a snare drum with us with a wooden stick, wow. you know, it's like he, he was phenomenal that way, but he played with such great feel and attitude that he was then, you know, showing me. And it was funny because, you know, he was, he was liking the things that I was doing as well, but he was also being my, mentor and sh and showing me how to you know translate my playing sort of uh, sort of uh you know simple it up a little bit but play with feeling play with attitude and it was great because we would go we would take breaks in the studio and we'd go out for sushi or something and he you know it was funny he's always uh introducing me as his as his teacher his sensei you know so to speak <laughs> and i and we laughed because i we both knew it was the other way around but you know he was learning from me but i was learning so much more from him but that was dennis wilson i i mean to say that as a person he was one of those kind of guys that always tried to lift people up and and i was a benefactor of that he he really really helped me quite a bit he was a great great not only charismatic person but a really really great human being as well do you remember where you were when Dennis Wilson passed away, tragically far too young? Yeah, you know, I, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was uh, in between touring dates. You know, it was in the wintertime, and we were we were down on a slow period of uh, of, of our touring. 
so I was at home watching the news when the news broke. And then the next thing I knew, I was watching his body go by on the, on the television screen, uh, you know, with, with his, you know, and I knew it was him and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. It, it just absolutely devastated me. And, uh, you know, Dennis <clears throat> was, had a lot of demons at the time. He was really struggling with a lot of, a lot of things, you know, with alcohol and drugs. And, and I was going down the same path more or less. And, and, uh, when I saw that, it just shook me to my core that look, you know, you know, I, there, there goes a really great person who, you know, just, uh, really had a rough time and succumbed to those demons. And I knew that if I wasn't careful, that that could be me. And it really, really, really kind of, kind of sobered me up a bit. And, uh, and I was very, very sad. It was really sad to see my main partner and, and benefactor leave like that. Our guest today is Bobby Figueroa, who is a longtime member of the Beach Boys band and now tours with California Surf Incorporated. Check him out at CaliforniaSurfMusic.com. He's had a front row seat, or I guess a front row drum thrown to, to some legendary times in the music business. And we're talking about his days with the Beach Boys and also want to get to his current band now, which is made up of a bunch of these guys who play with the Beach Boys for many, many years. Um, Bobby, you mentioned being in the studio with the Beach Boys and mm-hmm. I wonder, and I'm learning as, as we have this conversation, I wonder what, what that was like because there has been so much talk of of the friction amongst those guys who started off, sure. you know, as relatives and friends when they were just kids. But, you know, clearly as you go on down through the years, things get tough. Was it was it tense amongst those guys? And did you see you know, a lot of that tension? Yeah, you know, at, at times on the road, yes. You know, there were, you know, uh, Mike and, and, and Dennis were fighting like cats and dogs quite a bit. And, you know, it was just one of those things that, that you know, families fight and everyone should, should realize that it's just like your family, you know, only with, with the, it was the beach boys that were fighting, but they were just a, an American family too, you know, but I found that a lot of times when we got on that stage and we, we started to play the show and, and the harmonies were there and all of a sudden all that was forgotten. And you see the smiles on the faces in the, in the, in the rows and rows of people that are saying, that's one of my favorite songs. When you start up, don't worry, baby, or, or wouldn't it be nice? Or one of the classic songs, you know, all that went away. And, and then the hairs on your, on your arm stood up because the harmonies were just so beautiful and so wonderful when they were when they were clicking and, and working as a family and and getting along on stage it was magic it was really really something great and in the studio it was uh it was more of a creative type of situation where you know you never knew whether you were just there to fool around to develop ideas or were you whether you were actually laying down a track for uh, a song it just wasn't you know there wasn't that kind of pressure on you very seldom that you were actually working on something that was gonna that was gonna translate onto vinyl or, or tape or whatever but uh it was always a great experience because they would allow you to to experiment to be yourself to be the musician that you were and and then and, but also you know knowing full well that there's going to be voices on top of this so you know, you got to, you know, pull it back a little bit and let that happen because, you know, the voices were premier in every one of their songs. Those harmonies were, had to be, you know, forefront. But uh, for instance, uh, I went one night, Carl Wilson called me in and said, I'm working on, a, on an idea. Come on down to, to your brother and uh, let's work on something. I went short. Sure, I, I went down there with, with my brother, Junior, at the time. And, um, we started working on a song, a feel that he had, and there were no words, there were no other instruments, just drums and guitar. And before I knew it, we were rolling tape, and um, we kept at it until we finally got it. Carl was satisfied and said, that's good, I think we got something, I think we got it here. And uh, that was later to become, uh, when they once they added the voices, cellos, voices, harmonies, other instruments, uh, the song um, Angel Come Home for the L.A. Light album. Wow. So, you know, it was just one of the, you never knew whether it was going to be ding-dang 
for half for two hours, you know, <laughs> nonstop, you know, the legendary ding dang that was just a feel that, that yep. Brian came up with that <laughs> that was just never went anywhere. It was just ding dang, you know, but sometimes it turned out to be a beautiful song like uh, Angel Come Home or or something along those lines, you know. It was a great experience to work with them like that and to sing with them at, 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 on some of those tracks as well. Bobby, when uh, you first met Brian Wilson, tell me about that mm -hmm. experience. <laughs> it was kind of funny. It was one of those nights we were at, at Brother Records, at Brother Studio in Santa Monica on 5th Street there, and and we are playing, me and the, I mean, Carly Munoz was there, uh, Carl was, was there, Dennis was there, and uh, we, we were playing around with some of the some fields in the studio there, just really not not doing much, just just playing around like you could, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, comes lumbering in in, in his robe with with a, a six pack of San Miguel beer and his slippers, Brian Wilson. Wow. And that was my that was my introduction. In the, my friend Carly goes, "Hey Brian, this is Bobby Figueroa." He went like, "Hi, Bobby." And that that was it, you know. And then he <laughs> he sat down at the piano and started playing. And so we all joined in. I jumped on the drums, and somebody else jumped on the guitar and bass, and and the the B three organ, and we just started playing. And he was just this this big jolly fellow, you know, that just happened to decided to get out of bed that at that moment, never bothered to dress, just left his robe on, and and just came into the studio, and we started to play. You know, that was like my introduction to Brian Wilson. Amazing. Amazing. Bobby Figueroa is our guest today, longtime member of the Beach Boys Band and uh, now one of the leaders of California Surf Incorporated. Find them online at californiasurfmusic.com as they keep the, the sounds of uh, the Beach Boys and Janet Dean, that, that old surf music genre, alive. Uh, how long did you serve in the Beach Boys Band? How long were you around? Well, I was there, like I said, from 74. Um, I left. I had a brief hiatus for a year in 81, I, I had uh, injured my back from from uh, from touring so heavily and not stretching and my vertebrae compressed their lower, a big long thing, so I had to rehab anyway. Right. And uh, it, uh, so I was gone and then I came back later on in 80, 82. And um, it was, uh, you know, all the way up, up until 1989, I was there full, pretty much full time, you know, playing on the on the on the shows, on the television appearances, and and on some of the records. So I was a, a radio programmer and and on air personality in the eighties, nineties, and so you were there when they had that uh, one of many big career resurgences when Kokomo was in uh, the Tom Cruise movie soundtrack for Cocktail. You yeah. were around during that time. Well, I I left right right that's right around the time. I didn't get to really enjoy the fruits of the Kokomo success because I was rehabbing at the time and I was kind of at home and at the chiropractor and at the gym and then playing, you know, uh, six nights a week at my friend's nightclub to just get my strength back, you know, so that I could rejoin. Uh, so, uh, you know, I was there for a lot of the big peaks, all the big shows uh, in Washington, D.C., for example, where you're coming from today. Uh, we had those big uh, Washington Mall shows. The very controversial we, Washington Mall shows. When, yes, uh, they the, were the controversial. Came to rescue. Well, you know, Nancy Reagan was a big fan. She was a California girl, after all. That's right. And uh, when uh, when James Watt uh, made that big controversy that we were the wrong element, so to speak, yep. you know, to be there, and we left a mess at the mall and all that kind of stuff. He he wanted us out, but. But Nancy wouldn't have it. She would. She would not hear that. And and then, you know, of course, that translated into Ronald Reagan telling you know uh, James Watt that he shot himself in the foot basically and gave him a a, a bronze foot with a hole in it. Uh, <laughs> I remember. It said you know that they're not the wrong element. And Nancy loves him, so we love him. And that was the end of that controversy. You know, and it kind of made him eat his words. And then. Uh, we uh, subsequently did two more really large shows at, at in at the mall. One was uh, you know in at, I think it was eighty four and eighty five, or yeah. Yep. And uh, one you know the one was um, was 
you know, they they were about five hundred thousand people at each show. Uh, the last one I think had more in, in the neighborhood of eight hundred thousand people there. My and good it was friend really... Alan Burns was the program director of Q one oh seven uh here in Washington and, and helped really uh, uh gin up the, the public response to, to come yeah. to the Beach Boys defense. It was a uh, a huge thing for you guys and, and a huge thing for America. And it and it's almost quaint to think now that uh back in the mid eighties the Beach Boys were seen as uh, by by James Watt at least as as, as the evil counter counterculture. Yeah, there. it seems yeah the wrong element. I'm like going really since when? You know, I mean, there's nothing that that uh, that personified the American you know persona. You know, me me being there. You know, I I certainly was was happy to be there and, and proud to be an American. And you know, it was it was a wonderful wonderful time with this. Spirit of '76, the bicentennial. We we played for two presidential inaugurals. I mean, we were we were front and center with a lot of what was going on, and and, and it was just you know the typical message of the Beach Boys is, was just have a good time, enjoy the music, you know, enjoy the fact that you're an American, and be proud of America, be proud of the USA, and shop that section of surfing USA every time we come to it, sing along with us, and. It was a really, really wonderful time. I just couldn't understand why anybody would think that was the wrong element. Did in the, those years that you were with the Beach Boys, almost twenty years, did Brian Wilson ever come out and and do a show? Because there are all these stories of, oh, yes. especially during that time uh-huh. when it was very difficult for yeah, him to get through the show. He came back. He came back. Uh, you know, there was the, in the late seventies that we did a tour called you know the Brian's Back, uh, and he kind of came out of seclusion. Uh, a little bit, you know, they had, they had made, you know, a light of the fact that he was always in his bedroom and he wouldn't leave and his toes were in the sandbox underneath his piano all the time. And then that, there was that bit where the Belushi and Ackroyd from Saturday Night Live right. uh, dressed, dressed up like uh, CHP and went to his house and, and roused him out of bed and said, you know, you're in violation of the California surf code. Uh, you have to come to the beach with us right now. Come on, you know, come on a safari with us. And off yep. they took him. And it, that kind of started a little wave of, you know, people wanting, really wanted to see Brian back, you know, and it was like, let's just face it. Uh, you know, if not for Brian, there would, there wouldn't have been a beach boys. I mean, he, you know, they was the Wilsons. It was Dennis coming home and telling Brian, you know, this is so great. I went surfing today and, and it felt like I was on top of the world. And oh, okay, I'll write a song about that. You know, surfing, surfing, surfing uh, USA, and all that came out of that correlation. But Brian's genius of of writing what sounded like simple music, but really wasn't so simple when you took it apart. And it just kept getting more and more uh, complex as as time went on. And he and he was growing as a as a writer and producer. You know, it was it was wonderful to see the whole thing blossom because Brian was, you know, the guy that, that really was a genius behind it all. It sounded simple, but it was not. It was easy listening, but as a musician, I can tell you it was not easy to play. How how did he do on those shows? Uh, you know, mentally, he did well. Uh, it was always you know, said that it was that, tough for him to get through them. Yeah, it was, you know, sometimes you could just tell he didn't want to be there. But, you know, other times he was, you know, because he was under medication and he had a uh, a handler, so to speak, you know, and sometimes the wrong guy, you know, that there was a whole incident with Eugene Landy, yep. uh, handling Brian and, you know, but, you know, he still loved the music and, and there was t- golden times when he would just look up and be really happy that he was there with his brothers again. And he was, you know, and, and his cousins and the band, you see, when I was there, I was, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to, to, be able to say now that I played with the original band. All the original members were there when I when I was playing with them. What an incredible blessing and uh, what a what a charmed life. And I'm sure as you look back on it now, there have to be an awful lot of oh wow moments. I wonder if are there a couple of those oh wow moments that you remember where you just sort of look around to the left and right and go, man, I can't believe I'm here. Well, you know that's that's exactly right. And I remember. Uh, this one time in particular where we were playing DC and we were in the middle of a tour and we were doing the mall. So there was half a million people there and they were all just, just plotting. It. it was kind of an overcast day. 
And, uh, you know, the sun was not really out. It had been raining a little bit. But yet, that didn't keep people away. It was the 4th of July. Sure. So, I mean, you know, it was going to be a big show anyway. There was a lot of people there. And uh, I remember getting ready to play and going on stage, looking out at this ocean of people and just just being amazed at what I was seeing. But then here's what happened. This, this was really cool. Was... Um, I was looking out, and we, as we faced the Washington Monument, we were facing it, and in between the Washington Monument and the stage was about, you know, half a million people. So there was an ocean of people, and the monument was in the backdrop, and I looked out at it, and then Carl turns to the band and, and goes, it counts off California girls, and goes, three, four, bum, 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 bum. And as soon as he counted it off and we hit that first note, I kid you not, this actually happened. A shaft of light broke out of the clouds and, and lit up the Washington Monument. Wow. And I was looking at it, and no one else on stage was noticing it. And I'm going crazy going, do you guys see this? But, you know, the thing was everybody was so intent on, you know, the show, and here we go. You know, this is it. We got to we got to sound good because Carl insisted that we sound good every time. Didn't matter where we were. And I was watching this and that's the moment when, when I thought it had hit me, you know, that that was a blessing. That was a, a, a sign. And, and I said to myself, how in the hell did I get here? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good that you appreciate uh, your good fortune from playing nightclub six nights a week in Pasadena to, to a half million people at the Washington Monument. Uh, Bobby Figueroa is our guest today from California Surf Incorporated, longtime member of the Beach Boys Band. Um, so I, I want to tick through the guys and, and just get your personal impressions of them. And you just mentioned Carl being something of a taskmaster to make sure the shows were great. Tell me about well, Carl Wilson. Carl Wilson was a very gentle, gentle, generous soul. He was such a nice person and Talk about a professional, you know, I mean, he, I thought I was pretty professional when I joined the, I thought my work ethic was, was, was correct, was pretty, pretty solid. But then you look at Carl who could bring that voice, you know, that voice and, and to the show every single night, I mean, every single night and be so in tune with what was going on on the stage that you had to be on your toes, you know, you had to, you had to bring your a game every night. Otherwise you would get this look from Carl that you would just go, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I got the look, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, I better, I better shape up here for whatever reason you weren't concentrating or something because I mean, there was, there were times when, you know, off stage, he was a, he was a, Teddy Bear. He was just the sweetest guy on the world. But on stage, if you picked up that tambourine and you dared to play with the Beach Boys, you had better play it right or you're going to hear it from Carl. So you did a lot of, of the percussion elements when other people were behind the skins then, um, yeah. especially when Dennis was there. When, when Dennis passed, did you become the lead drummer well, in the band? Or tell me about your role there. Well, my role was this. It was to, you know, at first to spell Dennis so he could go out front. He wanted to uh, play piano and stuff, and it was fine. Later on, it became that Dennis and I would both play the show. In other words, we were like the little tandem team or the Pony Express, if you will. And he would open the show, and then for a while in the middle and towards the end, I would jump up and, and take over. Of course, you know, I was pretty much ready to jump on there at, at a moment's notice. If he looked at me and said, get up here, I had to be ready to play. Right. So, you know, and plus I was being handed vocal parts. So I was very, I had microphone everywhere I went, either on percussion or drums, there was a mic there. And um, I would have to sing my parts too and play drums. But it was, it was more or less to just, you know, let's, let's make this show really great and play a really lot of songs, play them all well. But, you know, Dennis and I would, would tandem, you know, tag team off the drum set. And uh, later on when he was, he couldn't or wouldn't play so much or was having problems, it kind of became my full-time job almost uh, for a while until uh, until we, we got someone else to, to come come aboard as well after he passed away. Then we, we still kept the two drummer, the, uh, you know, thing going. Only we, they, they brought back 
uh, Mike Kowalski to do it with me, who had been with the band prior to me. Um, so, you know, with my role was to sing parts and to be ready to play drums at, at the drop of a hat. Tell me about Al Jardine. I understand that Al occasionally will come out and play with your group today, so I would assume that your relationship is good with him. But what is Al Jardine yeah. like? Al, Al's a really wonderful guy. You know, he's, uh, he's you know, Al is, is really, he's a funny guy, but also you got to listen to him. I mean, his voice today is as good as it ever was. I mean, he's he has just really remarkable voice, which I've always been very, very appreciative of. And most people realize that in that stack of Beach Boy harmonies is is a, his unmistakable voice that really makes that sound. That that's the part that makes your hair stand up. That that makes you go listen to those harmonies, and it's like. He was an integral part of it, as they all were, because, you know, the thing is, is that each one of them, it took all those guys to make that sound. Everyone contributed in a really great way. Mike had his way of doing things, and, and he was the bottom. <clears throat> and when he was on, it was wonderful. When they were all singing together, there was we could play with anybody in the world at any period of time. We're talking with Elton John with the Eagles, with any band in the world, and the Beach Boys could hold their own. Not only hold their own, but sometimes kick your ass right. because you know it was just amazing that these voices were still all together there. So, like I say, it took all of them to to make that sound. It really did. They all had their their input, you know. And Bruce came later on, and he certainly did a lot of contributing as well, you know. So. It was just really a joy. They all, it took all those guys to make the Beach Boys. It really did. Um, spearheaded by Brian. But then, you know, you heard the rest of the voices. Carl's beautiful voice. Mike on the bottom, Al and Bruce in the middle. Me in there somewhere, wherever they needed another voice, you know. And, and some of us singing like that. But it was, you know, it was a really wonderful thing that we were all getting along and we were on that stage and all concentrating on the music it was the most beautiful thing and, and very harmonious in more than one way. Where did you generally fit into that layer of, of voices? How did how did well, you and the other guys come in? How did that work? Well, you know, at first it was, you know, like just Carl threw me apart, you know, in the field flows, which, you know, I was learning new music because, you know, I, I loved the Beach Boys when I joined them, but I had no idea they were doing all this creative new music. Uh, uh, Carl was writing songs and Dennis was writing songs and there was new material. We were doing the trader. Don't talk, put your head on my shoulder. We were doing uh field flows. We were doing surfs up. I mean, tough songs to sing and play, but I just sort of fit in wherever they told me to, to sing. You know, it could be that like Bobby, I've been singing this part for 15 years. Why don't you do it? And I'll sing another part. And I'd be sure, you know, and then sometimes those parts would come at me as we were hitting the stage. I mean, there was wow. really, you know, we were going on stage at Wembley in in, uh, in England. You know, we were playing with the Eagles and Elton John and Rufus and, with Shaka Khan. And you know, the gentleman goes backstage and says, Beach Boys, please. And we were on next. And we're going, and I'm listening to these fabulous groups of, the Eagles were on the top of their game. They were fabulous. Elton John was the king of the world at the time. Right. You know, it was just just incredible. And here we come. And as we're hitting the stage, Carl looks at me and goes, Bobby. And I said, yes. And he goes, you know that part at the end of Surf's Up? Uh, I go, the, the falsetto line, the descending line? He goes, yeah, that part. I go, yeah, I know it. He goes, sing it. As we're walking <laughs> on stage. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, so it it really was wonderful because at at the time, it was the largest audience I had ever played for. There was a hundred thousand people there. There was we're playing all these fabulous groups. Paul and Linda McCarty are in the the box out there. Ringo's out there waving, and and Candace Bergen is standing behind me taking pictures, and I'm and I'm looking at this scene and going like, this could this could really screw you up if you didn't concentrate, you know. Sure. So I just you know, put on my, my, my professional, you know, outfit there and, and went on stage and thought about what I was going to do. And, and then we did surf up and Carl sang it beautifully. 
And I did the falsetto at the end of the song. And when we finished, the, the applause was just thunderous. It was just huge. And I just felt like I'd found a home, you know. That's that's where you put your big boy pants on and get out there and do it. Uh, wow. That's so, it. That's it. Unbelievable. So no time to get worried. No time to There was many instances where I was thrown things like that and had to be ready to perform. And that, that's just one instance, but it happened many times. You uh, you mentioned Bruce Johnson, who came in uh, a little bit later, but yeah. he's been a, an integral <clears throat> part of that band for 50 years. And, and also sure. Mike Love, who... Uh, just recently with the, the new nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, every year that happens, Mike Love's infamous uh, sort of really snarky, <laughs> nasty uh, oh, induction ceremony oh, speech comes yeah. up. Um, uh, you know, w- without giving up any confidences, talk to me about Mike Love, who who has been sort of cast in many ways as, as the villain in the Beach Boys drama. Well, yeah, and, and unfairly sometimes, you know, unfairly, but... You know, Mike is his own entity. He's his own person. We're we're all allowed to be who we are. You know, and uh, and he has some some great ideas. And like the rest of us, sometimes our ideas are not so good. You know, yep. <laughs> but he but he's had a lot of brilliant ones too. So you know, he's he's just being human. He's just being Mike. You know, I I don't see how you can really really say that anyone's you know the evil presence that in that way. You know, we we all make mistakes, and you know he. He has certain things that follow him around, as we all would if we made the same mistakes, you know. But he also has a great legacy of doing some really great work. Bobby Figueroa is our guest today. We're talking about his many years as a part of the Beach Boys band, as well as his new band, California Surf Incorporated. And and I say new band, but you guys have been at it for a while now. Talk to me about when you left the Beach Boys, when you stopped well, being a part you. of that organization. And, and, yeah, and then you know, let's get into California I, Surf. Okay. Well, briefly, I left the band in, in 88, late 88, 89. And um, I started uh, to explore other other avenues. I started acting a little bit. I was doing some, some, some work in acting. I did four national commercials for different big companies, corporations, you know, car companies and AT&T and stuff like that. And it was, you know, it was good, you know, like that. But I, I happened upon a show that some friends of mine were casting. Uh, it was brand new. They didn't know if it was going to be any good or not, but they said, you know, they, they need a, like a band, like it's a, it's a talk show and with a band. And I went, Oh, sure. I'll, I'll be glad to pop in there. Then it turns out to be a big hit and won a, an Emmy award that year. That was the Larry Sanders show. Oh wow! Uh, sure. On HBO, and I was the band leader on that show. They they came back and said, "Well, the union came down on them." And said, "You have to have union musicians here because this is you're a big show now." And and they the casting company came to me and said, "Bobby, what do we do?" They say we have to have a you know this a union people here and all that. And I go, "Yeah, well, it's, you have a union leader and he does the contracts and he hires the musicians for for the band." And they went, "Okay, great, you're the leader." And I went, oh, okay. So I spent five years at the Mary Tyler Moore lot there in, in Lower, on Lower Canyon in Studio City. And, uh, you know, I was like, um, okay. So I spent five years. It turns out the producer, Brad Gray, was a huge Beach Boy fan. So that didn't hurt me at all. Sure. You know, and so the, the, the talk show portion of, of the show, most of it, you know, the was very short, five minutes long for each episode. You know what I mean? It was like most of the action was in the dressing room or at the girlfriend's house right. or at the restaurant, you know, but then there would come, you know, the Larry Sanders, you know, Hey now, you know, with all these great actors, you know, Jeffrey Tambor, uh, rip, rip torn. Was what a on great it. And, show. And, what a hilarious show. Yeah. And it was like the A-list of, of, of Hollywood, everybody wanted to go on that show because they they would make be made fun of, and everybody was dying to do that. So, I mean, the parade of people that went in and out those doors was phenomenal. It was just the greatest show, and I would go in on a Friday, and and tape two or three episodes because, like I say, the the talk show portion was was not that long. I'd do the contracts, and uh, and and they, you know that turned out to be a good thing, and I went from there to to uh, work in a little bit of production kind of stuff at, uh, at just shoot me, which was right next door for five years. So I was on Mary Tyler Warlock for 10 years after that. 
just working on Brad Gray Productions, you know, shows. And then I got a call from Al to, he was going to do the uh, Beach Boys Family and Friends. Al Jardine and his Family and Friends, right. <clears throat> which had Carney and Wendy Wilson, uh, Owen Cass, and it had his two sons, Matt and Adam Jardine, who also got the gene and are very good singers. And then, you know, some of the, some of the old, guys from the from the group eddie carter was on there billy hinchy you know and it was like i got asked to do that so i did that and that was a lot of fun and it really but that ended up in a in a big you know court battle and now you so i decided after that uh, you know there's a lot of players that are really good at doing this that i've worked with in the beach boys and that's the thing about california surf incorporated is that i decided to make a band i i, I noticed they were a lot of Beach Boy cover bands out there. You know, you see them all over the place, right? Sure. And they're good, and I'm glad that they are because they're they're helping to keep the music alive. And, you know, it's always a great thing to see other people doing that music. It's fantastic. But I go, but here's us, guys. We not only did the show, we didn't just have a cup of coffee with the Beach Boys. We had luggage tags. And we had <laughs> stacks of, of itineraries were on the records. We did the television shows. We did the inaugurals. We did all this stuff with, I go like, we have a pedigree here that <clears throat> can't be matched by anybody else. So I started the band using former members of of the Beach Boys. And so it was me, Eddie Carter is on there, Sterling Smith, uh, yeah, Billy Hinchy. And it rotates, you know, people coming in and out of it. So we had Matt Jardine for a while. We had, uh, you know, Rod Bonfiglio, Carney Wilson's husband on there. Uh, you know, people like that, that are just, we're Beach Boys. We we were bona fide people. So it's the easiest thing to put together because everybody knows their job. Everybody knows what they're doing. We were there. We were, we were on stage with those guys. We were good enough to be Beach Boys. So when I bring people in, everybody has families, everybody has kids. You know, Mike isn't working all the time, and Brian's not working all the time. I get Proben Gregory comes over and plays with us, and he's, you know, qualified individual. <laughs> he's bloody brilliant at playing in five instruments, you know. He's like just the greatest people I can get to do this show, and they were all, that. that's the uh, requisite for being in California, surf and, and our pedigree is another band like us we were all beach boys are you guys able to uh to pull off those incredible harmonies live and and i don't want to you know be the wizard of oz and pull the curtain back too awful much but uh when i have seen cover bands to the beach boys stuff lots of times they they have to use pre-recorded tape yeah Um, yeah yeah what about you guys are you able to do that still because you're not kids anymore you know Right, exactly. Well, that that's uh, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> we're we're not the beach geezers, no. But uh, we're, we we uh, we we do it like the Beach Boys did it when they when they started. Remember, they were a five piece band. Right. That's it. so. I use five pieces, um, and we do the best we can at, at covering stuff. We don't tape anything, <clears throat> and we do a pretty good job of covering those vocals and and those harmonies. Um, we we were supposed to have gone to uh, Switzerland this year to play at a retro festival in Lucerne, and but of course with the COVID thing, you know, uh, we weren't allowed to go after all. Sure. But uh, I was going to take an extra. You know, I can go anywhere from five people to eight, or or in depending on who's available. You know, Gary Griffin was going to go with us, uh, Proben Gregory. You know, and we were going to play, but we can cover, you know, a lot, a lot of the of that stuff. You know, we we stick to the tunes that we're good at, and that we can, you know, cover the harmony. We we still do all the classics. You know what I mean? And it's a great representation because, like I say, some of us are on those records, and some of us have been around that long. Eddie Carter was recording with the Beach Boys in the '60s. So, I mean, you talk wow. about having a pedigree, you know, it's like he's a fabulous guitarist. He's one of Carl Wilson's favorite musicians ever. And uh, so when we go out, you know, we, we a really great representation. We keep it fun and we keep it light. And we have, you know, I, I list off everybody's accomplishments when I introduce the guys in the band because it's my band. You know, I, I started it. I'm the leader. And I tell everybody, I know what these guys are have done. 
in their careers. And I tell everybody that, you know, this, this is Eddie Carter. He, he was on Bluebirds Over the Mountain in 1968. That's his solo. You know, it's like we can, I can name off their pedigree just off the top of my head. And it's brilliant because then people really realize uh, how much work we've actually done with, with the Beach Boys. And we bill ourselves as, you know, former members of the Beach Boys. And that, that seems to make everybody okay with it. The, the organization's fine with it. And as we, we, we don't call ourselves the Beach Boys. We call ourselves California Surf Incorporated, former members of the Beach Boys. The, the Beach Boys themselves got together for a, a much-heralded 50th anniversary tour. They brought they even brought David Marks back to do the dates with them. Yeah, um, David's great, yeah. And oh, so you have spent some time with David Marks. I know he was before your, your tenure there. <clears throat> yeah, um, you know, he was before me, but, you know, later on I, I was able to do some some playing with him in a similar type situation of California Surf Incorporated. Or then we just backed up, you know, uh, David Marks, you know what I mean? Uh, we, he, he was really great. David's a good songwriter and still plays a really great guitar. He really does, you know, and he was there. He was a neighbor. He was a Wilson's neighbor down in Hawthorne when they, when they first got together, he's, he's got a, certainly a long, you know, uh, track record as well. But, uh, yeah, it's it's you know it's great to we're just trying to keep the music alive. Um, that's that's what we're doing. You know, you should go and see Mike. You should go and see Brian when he starts playing again. I hope I hope to God we all get a chance to go out and play for everybody again. And, and I hope that uh, some of you guys come come say hello to California Surf when we're around. Well, I, I wondered about that, and, and as we do come out of COVID, which has just been devastating for the <clears throat> entertainment industry and as for so many other industries. Um, next year in in 2022 assuming this is all behind us the beach boys could do a 60th which is amazing to think about a 60th anniversary tour i wonder if uh if you would be supportive of that uh and and would encourage people to go out and see that and, and also to come see your band absolutely i would i wouldn't turn down the opportunity let's let's put it that way um myself you know, I, I participated a little bit with the 50th one, and a lot of the fans still remembered me from when I was there, you know, in in Detroit when we played the venue there. And, uh, you know, I, I'd certainly, you know, give lend a hand if I was asked to, but I would always, always encourage people to go see the Beach Boys, and it's a really a wonderful show. There's nothing that's going to harm you by seeing it. It's all positive vibe positive music good vibrations through and through it's the greatest experience and it's one part of uh america americana that has not been injured over the years but but has been sustained and you've done a big uh had a big part in sustaining that music that is so important to so many people visit bobby's band california surf incorporated online at californiasurfmusic.com. That's californiasurfmusic.com. And one of the things I think is really great about you, Bobby, even though you've you've walked uh, in some pretty tall cotton, as they say, uh, I see you on Facebook regularly interacting with Beach Boys fans and having sure. conversations with them. And, and I just think that's fantastic. So hats off to you for being someone that oh, people thanks. can reach out and touch uh, who yeah. uh, you know has been a part of the music that meant so much to so many. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that and, and, and the recognition. Of course, I did my best. I did my part, you know, and I was still doing it to keep the music alive. And by the way, we have a song that's out. Uh, you could check it out on YouTube, uh, Spotify, uh, you know, Apple, uh, everywhere. It's everywhere. It's called Playground uh, by California Surf Incorporated featuring Bobby Figueroa. It's a song I wrote about my experiences with the Beach Boys and about my conversations with Dennis Wilson. And I use a lot of phrases in there that the fans will recognize as as Dennis-isms plus song titles and different things that, uh, you know, because when I was there playing with the Beach Boys, basically the world was our playground. I mean, there was nowhere we weren't welcomed in in the world. And the message I got from Carl and Dennis and, and the guys in the band was, you know, yes, the world's our playground, but, you know, you have to be respectful and, and, and be respect the playground. Keep it keep it real. Keep it right. You know what I mean? Uh, so that inspired me to write this song. And you could check it out. We're writing new music, too. 
And um, that's one that I wrote that you can now listen to um, on the, all those different places. You can go on my website and listen to it. You can do it on Spotify. It's called Playground by California Surf Incorporated featuring Bobby Figueroa. And you, you'll listen to the lyrics. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about on there. I think with that set up, we should wrap up the podcast by playing Playground. Bobby Figueroa, thank you for spending time with us today. It's been my pleasure. I sure am blessed to to have been doing this. I thank you very much for letting me come on and, and say hello to some people. Hopefully, in the coming year, we'll be able to get out there and, and say hello to a whole bunch more. We'll look forward to seeing you on the road. This is California Surf Incorporated featuring Bobby Figueroa and Playground as we wrap up the Big Time Talker podcast. In Washington, D.C., I'm Burke Allen. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody. Yeah.